everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone, another edition of Poker Action Line with Big Dave and Joe here from South Florida. As we keep an eye on the World Series of Poker, Joe, we're two weeks in now, a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, I have kind of picked, gleaned, gleaned a little bit of uh, interesting topics uh, surrounding some of the events. Of course, we'll we'll run down some of the results. I know that's not your favorite part. <laughs> but you like to hear about some of the people you know and how they're doing. And we kind of left things hanging last week because... Uh, uh, the event with uh, Omaha High Low uh, was down to the final two, a battle between uh, Abe Mosseri and Daniel Negreanu. It didn't last very long it either. It did not. Uh, they were set to go, uh, and we, uh, we, we talked to each other very shortly after we left here, but uh, head-to-head play lasted only four hands. Yeah, I saw it. Mosseri won the first one pretty big, and... Um, just followed up with three straight wins to end. Uh, the hand that really kind of uh, uh, broke things out uh, was Negreanu holding, of course, high-low. You know, you never know if you're going to get that low hand in there yes. or not. Uh, but uh, his, uh, his hand was uh, ace and three of spades and the four and five of clubs, which is a pretty good hand. It's nice low. you got straight possibilities. you got a nice nut uh, flush possibility. Right. And unfortunately for him, it was the flop was ten ten four, so the four is in there. But now it's like questionable whether they're going to get a low hand out of it or not. Uh, the turn was a was a jack, which means there is no low hand. So now all of a sudden he doesn't have such a great hand anymore. And uh, let's see, the two pair for uh, for Mosseri uh, was uh, was enough to win the hand. So. Uh, that kind of changed things right off the stop, uh, right off the top. And uh, next hand, Negrano would hit two pair, had a queen kicker, and Mosseri had the same two pair, but an ace kicker. An ace, wow. So then uh, the f- very final hand, uh, Mosseri was holding pocket eights along with a six and a three. Negrano uh, had gone all in, and uh, the flop was uh, pretty dry, nine five two, and. Uh, that was it. So Masseri wins the tournament, 388,000. Negreanu finishes second, 240,000. And uh, Masseri is a guy who uh, has been on a lot of those big TV shows maybe about five, six years ago. Kind of ran into a problem when uh, uh, they had those busts up in New York with the uh, Molly Bloom game. Right. And he was at a lot of those. So uh, he kind of disappeared for a while, but... Uh, no question, a very good player. This is a nice win. comeback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Fabrice Soulier finished fourth in that tournament. Anthony Zeno was seventh. And the mouth, Mike Matisau, finished eighth. So a uh, pretty nice final table yeah, there. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive uh, final table. John Monette finished in ninth. He was the first one eliminated from the final table, but he got his revenge uh, back in the uh, in the tenth in the uh, Omaha High-Low uh, 10K? Yeah, well, this was the 10K, oh. but uh, the next one he came back and... Uh, uh, and won uh, the bracelet event number 22. So, Good for him. Yeah, it's uh, nice to see that. We also kind of were hanging on uh, Bernard Lee's appearance. Yeah, Bernard was the chip leader. Bernard was the chip leader, and uh, that was in, uh, let's see, what, what, that was, that was in, the Deuce 7. Yeah, uh, Deuce 7 low ball. Low ball. And uh, $1,500 buy-in, by the way. 
he had a big chip lead going in and uh, ended up battling Frank Casella, who was the player of the year back in uh, 2010. When we first started the show, I yes. remember that, that he uh, had that tremendous year. And uh, they had a good battle. Their 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 uh, head-to-head battle lasted over three hours. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> so you get uh, on one hand you get a four-hand uh, head-to-head match, and uh, another one you get uh, three and a half hours. That's how poker is. Exactly. Uh, Matt Waxman also made that final uh, group there and finished in fourth place. So uh, uh, Frank ended up winning. Uh, I'd like to give you the big hand, uh, as it turned out. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, Casella actually did not take the third draw because he was holding Jack ten seven five four, which can easily be beaten. Beaten, obviously. Right. And Bernard kept the four cards he had uh, nine four three two. Wow. So he and was drawing. So he, he was, was looking drawing, pretty good. He was drawing to to you know, uh, as long as he didn't pair or get that king or queen. Well, that's what he did. He got a nine. Mm-hmm. So uh, he paired, and uh, that was it. Frank Casella wins 89000 Bernard takes 55 k And then came back in the 10000 uh do seven low ball, and finished 24th, I think, out of uh, 23rd or 24th. So a uh, good tournament for, for Bernard. He didn't uh, play in a lot of them. I think he's going to play the main, but he did not play a lot of outside events, 1500s, and that sort of thing. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, all these things during the show tonight, but... Uh, uh, really a, a great event and a lot of really pretty interesting uh, champions. Uh, one that I did get a chance, little chance to see on Poker Go, which is the great app that you can uh, pick up a subscription for $10 a month or 99 for the whole year. And uh, they are showing some of the final tables at some of the events. So I got a chance to watch a little bit of the heads-up uh, final match. Uh, Ryan Reese went down to the final four and... Uh, Ended up losing to uh, John Smith, who is a 70-year-old guy. This was pretty interesting because it was Adrian Mateos, who's from Spain, young guy. Uh, saw him at uh, Seminole Hard Rock not not a few months back. But uh, Smith and uh, uh, Reese played in the semis, and Charlie Carroll against Adrian Mateos. And Mateos uh, headed to the final, and Reese is 70 years old, so you would think, you know, maybe... No, Smith is. Smith, I mean. Right. Not Reese, obviously. Reese <laughs> not. Uh, Unless he aged a lot yeah, since, yeah, exactly. since the main event. But Smith is 70 years old, an uh, older guy, and uh, uh, I guess on first look you might think, you know, he's uh, kind of laid back and not really uh, that aggressive, but he's very aggressive and a very good heads-up player. And uh, he finished second last year in this event as well. So he ended up losing to Mateos uh, finally. I got a chance to see a good bit of that final uh, matchup. And it was very interesting, uh, but to finish in the heads-up uh, with a $10,000 buy-in, you know, and 256 players or whatever there was in the event, and to finish second two years in a row is pretty That's awesome. an impressive feat. It really is. Let me tell you, when, when <laughs> heads-up, you know, anything can happen. Where they were playing these heads-up matches two out of three, is that how they were playing no, them? No, no it's only when they got the – so it was just, that's it. You knock your opponent out, you keep moving on. That is that is how many rounds would that be, Dave? You're, you're going down. Uh, I think to you have to like win seven ra- times. Seven I times. I think All seven. Right. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Mateos wins three hundred thirty-six thousand. John Smith won two hundred eight thousand, and Charlie Carroll and Ryan Reese each win one hundred twelve thousand. Uh, so speaking of a name that's familiar, uh, John Reisner uh, won his first bracelet. Uh, he won it in the. Uh, 
$10,000 buy-in, six-handed dealer's choice. And he gets the win in that one over uh, Vyacheslav Zukov. Chris Klodnicki finished third. And Matisau, another final table, finishes nice. in fifth. Seems to be having a nice World Series. Yeah, yeah it definitely Two is. final tables. Uh, the fi- the Ven 18 was the $500 pot limit Omaha, which uh, surprisingly is... Uh, was a very popular event. 3,186 entries for PLO. Uh, pretty shocking. Uh, and uh, people gave it the nickname the Plossus. The Plossus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, he gets uh, who gets the win there? Tyler Smith, uh, former uh, champion on the uh, Annie Up Tour and uh, several smaller events. The Circuit, he's, uh, I think, from the... Uh, uh, Mississippi area. He gets the win there, and uh, I didn't recognize any of the other names at the final table. Uh, a couple other events to just tell you about. Uh, Ron Ware wins the uh, eight-game mix six-handed uh, for Reese Soulier back in the uh, final table for that one. And uh, John Monette, as I mentioned, it was it was due seven low ball, the 10,000 that he won, not, not, not coming back and winning the... Uh, well, I guess it was. What did I say the first you one? Said the, you, you said that the first one was the 10,000. That wasn't it. That was the 1,500, right, mm-hmm. with yeah. Bernard Lee. Yeah. Yeah, that he that he was the bubble. Yeah, it was the 10,000 Omaha high-low, eight or better, that he finished in ninth, uh, Monette. He came back and won the deuce seven low ball 10,000. Good for him. Uh, Darren Elias was third. Mike Gorodinsky, sixth. Mike Leah, seventh. Paul Volpe, eighth. So uh, another tremendous final table here of a lot of big-name players. So uh, we're keeping an eye on uh, some other things. We'll uh, we'll talk about some of the interesting things that's, that's surrounded and uh, got a couple, other couple of topics here. Uh, Matt Glantz involved in a, in a controversial hand in the dealer's choice that I want to go over with Joe and uh, have you put your... Uh, your floor uh, manager hat on. Okay. And uh, get your thoughts on that. Also, uh, uh, problems with the cards again. If there's any a complaint with the players uh, that seems to be consistent from year to year more recently, it's been the, the quality of the playing cards, which seemed to be very easily marked, although people didn't think it was intentional. Uh, there were some uh, bizarre designs on some of the cards that made them uh, marked. I'll read some of the Twitter quotes on that. Uh, also, uh, Maurice Hawkins uh, involved in a tournament right now and uh, currently in second place. He was the chip leader going in earlier today. And we'll keep an eye on Maurice. Uh, made a pretty outrageous statement on Twitter, which is uh, his want to do. And we'll talk about that uh, as well. Uh, a lot of things going on in the show tonight. Also, uh, Doug Polk uh, uh, had some comments. Uh, he said a lot of the haters were getting on him after his bracelet, what we talked about last week. Um, and we will uh, talk about some of that. So uh, plenty of things to talk about, and uh, there's local action as well. The Florida City uh, Poker Room could open this weekend. They are uh, supposed to play High Live there on Friday. Uh, it is a, uh, not, I don't want to say plexiglass, but some sort of uh, uh, plastic glass, I guess you might call it. A uh, new special, uh, kind of a mobile-type court that they can put up and set on in, uh, in about four days. And is it regulation size? It's, n- it's not. It's 120 feet. They're going to use rubber balls and synthetic baskets. So it's going to be quite a bit different. So we'll have to see how it happens. The first time they're ever trying it is going to be this Friday. So if they get that off and run a performance, 
They will come back again and do another one on Sunday and then have a regular schedule after the 4th of July. But really, what it accomplishes is it allows them to petition the state for a poker license. Exactly. So there will be a six-table poker room, which is already in construction in a trailer uh, down there, a little separate building. And they are hoping to get that approved after Friday and maybe operating possibly by this weekend. Yeah, and I, and I can tell you right now, it's not just the poker license that they're looking for. Once well, they got yeah. that bad boy up there, they're going to be looking to petition the state to get the slot machine. Yeah, I'm not sure how much uh, revenue you can drive from a six-table <laughs> poker room. <laughs> you would know better than I. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it lays the groundwork for uh, possible slot machines later on. And uh, as the gateway to the Florida Keys... It is a place that people will pass coming out of the Keys. If they come up to gamble now on a regular basis and go up to any of the other Dade uh, slop uh, palaces, including Miccosukee, which is the closest, uh, right. Calder, which is the farthest in Dade County, or if they go up to the Hard Rock in uh, Fort well, Lauderdale or anything. We've got a couple that comes up probably every other week, and they live halfway down the Keys, they told me, and they, for some reason, love coming up to Dania, so... They well, bypass all of those other casinos to come up one, there. But will they still do it if they have something that's half as far that yeah. they have to drive? So, very, you know, very they, questionable. I think that room, I mean, once they get everything set up and everything is finally done, whatever amount of time it takes, I think it's going to be very successful. So, anyway, we'll keep an eye on that as well. Uh, our congratulations to Bernard Lee, by the way, uh, you know, having a great year, celebrating his 10th anniversary. I forgot your T-shirt, by the way. I, want I to was bring just that about to ask you about Bernard that. Bernard did send us a couple of T-shirts. Uh, maybe we'll have one we'll give away on the air. Who knows? But uh, we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, good to see uh, him finish second in an event. Uh, I'll get back to him in a little bit. But, you know, hey, I, for we fi- know how bad he wanted to yes, win that thing. Yes, yes, to get the bracelet. But, hey, 1500 to pick out, 50, to get 55000 back, that's a nice return on your money. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, a couple of big events that we're looking at include the Millionaire Maker, which is down to the final nine. We're, we're following uh, Jessica Dolly, who finished in 30th place. Yeah, she had a really good run with so many people in that in that tournament too. So congratulations to her for finishing in thirtieth. Yeah, she uh, she was right in there um, near the chip lead and uh, was really pulling for her. Uh, took a bad beat and uh, is out of the event. But uh, Lisa Hamilton also uh, was in there late. I think finished twenty seventh. So uh, the exact prize money for Jessica. Uh, 34718 Lisa Hamilton was 26th, spent $143,000. Uh, Bob Bunara, remember Bob uh, mm-hmm. from Belize? Uh, he finished 21st in this event. Kenny Hallard, who was in November 9 last year, was 17th. And uh, the final table of nine is uh, not anybody I really re- recognize. Uh, the big chip leader is Pablo Martz from Canada. He has 19 million chips. Mark McDonald as uh, 10 million and then on down the line. So uh, Bryce Yaki was former chip leader there, 5 million. And uh, how many what was the international field type players? How, how many field in that field? was uh, 7,761. Yeah. So Jessica did a hell of a job coming yeah. in 30th place. Absolutely. Uh prize pool 10,477,000. Oof. So big money, a uh, lot of pressure. And uh, anybody who can last that long an event, uh, certainly give them a lot of credit. Yeah, congratulations to all that final table. 
so anyway, we'll take a first break on the program. Uh, we'll talk about a few things. Uh, I've got some interesting stories, uh, and I want to run this uh, Matt Glantz situation uh, uh, by you and a few other things. We'll take a break on the show. Uh, just kind of kicking things off. We'll see what's uh, happening right now out there in Vegas. We'll take a look at what's still to come over the next week and uh, give you a rundown again on when the TV coverage starts and that sort of thing. If you haven't picked up Poker Go or checked that out, I certainly would highly suggest it. If you like following these things, you don't get a chance to see too much on TV right now, but uh, ESPN will be covering a lot of the main events, so uh, certainly looking forward to that as well. Anyway, we'll take this break on the program. Don't forget that you can always pick us up on the Hold'em Radio Network. I've been carrying us a couple times a week Been following that on the program. Also, uh, you can go to our website, PokerActionLine.com, pick up any of the previous shows. Very easy to get it off iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, and also uh, several other places you can get it where you get your uh, where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com is a is a nice place as well. Anyway, we'll take this break on the show, and we'll run down a few more things when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line here from South Florida as we follow the World Series of Poker 2017. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Let's go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course. I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> wow, jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, so obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Oh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Talking World Series of Poker and some of the things surrounding some of the action. We gave you some of the results in that first segment. And now we'll go to uh, some of the interesting stories surrounding. And one is uh, uh, the quality of the cards. Now, they switched a couple of years ago, and there was a lot of talk about the names. I haven't really heard the names of these cards, what uh, what they are. I don't, I, I'm not really not sure. I guess maybe Gio can look that up for me if he can. Uh, the company that makes the cards at the World Series of Poker. Uh, but they're saying that they're all marked. I mean, uh, Matt, Mike okay. Matazow said they're a total disgrace. After one round, they are all marked. They get the cards for free and can care less about the players. Uh, I know John Raisner said uh, they made $1.17 million on the Colossus. The playing cards should never be an issue for the players. Exactly. Uh, Matt Berkey said, I have had three marked cards in the first 45 minutes. Seems clear it's unintentional. The floor warning the table to please stop. It's a weak solution. Uh, Daniel Strelitz, every other 
hand at this table is a marked card. This is miserable. Can we get some adequate cards, please? Uh, so the uh, World Series of Poker said there was it. it seems like it was last year. Uh, two years ago, they had cards that they had used for many, many years. They switched to a different one last year. Uh, there was a problem. People said they were a little flimsy, and they actually came back with a different type of card from the same company and seemed to solve the problem about halfway through the series. Uh, this year, uh, you know, it's 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 just that, uh, you know, the weight, size, stock, and the manufacturing procedures seem to be all the same. Uh, but there's some something in the design that, that makes people say they're marked. Uh, you know, I don't know that much about it. Uh, from your experience as a floor guy, uh, you come across marked cards uh, very often? Well, we've you, pr- you we've provide the cards. We so. provide the cards. Yeah, they're you know you see them now. Like like they said, you know most of the times it's uh, you know it's it's not intentional. You know that it's not you know because you're you're seeing a a, a four of spades, uh, you know a, a seven of hearts marked. You know if you were starting to see the aces marked and the kings and the, you know all the picture cards getting marked, then you have a situation. But you know I have dealt with that. As as a poker room manager, I have dealt. We've caught people marking cards, uh, you know, and uh, it, it's something that you got to take s- extremely serious. It's like I've always told people: the biggest thing in a poker room for a poker room to succeed is everybody first. First and foremost, you have to run a, a straight game. You got to run an honest game. They, the the players need to know that management. You know, uh, is is doing everything in its powers to run a a honest game, and trying to catch anybody who's trying to do either collusion or marking cards, any form of cheating. You you know you've got to be right on top of it if possible. And I'll be honest with you, Dave. You know, you, most card rooms get you know the players are the ones that are at the forefront of this, even though you have your dealers out there that have noticed marked cards. But just like they're complaining now, they're the ones who will tell you if they think somebody's colluding. And then obviously with the eye in the sky, you can – it makes life real easy. People can't hide with with the camera on them. You got that, G? Copac, C-O-P-A-G. Those are the cards they're using right now? Yeah, they signed, uh, according to an article in Card Player – from May of 2016, they signed a multi-year deal to be the manufacturer, and they were used last year for sure. This is the kind of most updated article I could find, but it appears to be Copag, C-O-P-A-G. Yeah, that was the cards they used last year. I'm not sure if they're using those again. Well, let me tell you something. I will keep searching. Okay. I have been using Copag cards for years, uh, You know, ever since we opened up with the slot machines in Miami Highlight. We got them. They were the best price. They, the, the quality of the cards, I've never had an issue with the quality of the cards. And now at Dania, they, those are the same cards that you we're use using them also. there. Yes, sir. What was the cards people used for years? Doyle was a um, card company? No, the company that they used for many years, I'm trying to remember the damn name of it now. I can't remember I it. Bicycle? Well, and bicycle Modiano, M-O-D-I- Modiano, 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 was, but there was a different one that years. we used for many years, and then that company went went under. And then that company went under. Either they sold it to to a, a rival, or, but uh, and they, I don't remember those two. I mean, I know obviously bicycles. Those are the cards you see that people buy yeah. in the store <laughs> and everything else. 
but uh, I, right now I cannot remember the the yep. name. You know, I cards I used to have I, a little use, thing in I the use center. I use Hooters cards. <laughs> <laughs> I like the pictures. I like to. I'm just afraid to see where the markings are on those cards. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a more entertaining. I wonder if they use Hooters cards at the Hooters Casino. <laughs> that's a good. That's a very good question. That's I don't a know. Very you, good question. Get, get, you find it hard for people to concentrate on the game. <laughs> anyway, we'll keep looking at it, and uh, I'm sure there's more to come on this because uh, nobody seems to be satisfied with what's happened yet. Uh, the other little report I saw was interesting because it involved our friend Maurice Hawkins, uh, uh, who has been on the show many times. I just talked, talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, made a quote on Twitter predicting a summer that he would win $7 million. And when they looked back, his, his biggest live cash is $279,000. Uh, his total career earnings over his 12-year career, $2.6 million. So uh, people think that's a little bit of a stretch to say he'll win. But uh, begs the question, according to uh, Poker News, uh, where's the line between confidence and arrogance? And you have to go to the dictionary. And uh, uh, confidence you know. is a trust in your ability to perform after constant evaluation and adjustments. Which we which we both know Maurice is very confident. Right. And and his and his results have proven that he's he's a good player. In contrast, arrogance is more of an attitude of internal belief based on unrealistic perception of what is possible. So is it possible? I guess we'll we'll find out. But uh, th- they brought up three comments from from different players uh, who talk a good game. Phil Helmuth said, "If I'm playing my AAA game, I probably have thir- I'd probably have 30 or 40 bracelets instead of 14." Uh, Mike Mattisau said, "I'm the best Omaha eight player there is. I knew I'd win if I didn't get unlucky. I got unlucky." <laughs> and Negranu says, my intention for the summer is to cash for over $1.5 million and win three bracelets along the, along the roadway. My intention is to win the WSOP Player of the Year Award for the third time. So, uh, how do you contrast do uh, those three those, guys? Do we look at those? Let, let's, let's take Helmuth and, and, and Negrano for right now because Madisau, you know, has cried wolf so many times that sometimes you got to take that with a grain of salt. But yeah, absolutely. he is a tremendous player, first of all, Mike Matisau. We've known that. He's won tournaments down here, made unbelievable moves. Um, you know, his personality probably has a lot of people that aren't big fans of his. But, you know, when you hear Phil Helmuth winning, you know, 14 braces, saying if he plays his AAA game, he'd have 30 or 40, and Daniel claiming that he wants to win three bracelets and $1.5 million, does that seem outrageous to you, Dave? Because it doesn't to me. No, it doesn't. You know, it re- I mean, those comments, uh, uh, you know, based on the on just the comments, the, don't you know, with the players that are saying it, doesn't seem outrageous to me because of their, you know, you know, continued success over the years, and obviously, two Hall of Famers making those statements, you know, don't seem like they're bragging and they're being arrogant. I mean, they've they've proven it. Now down here we know Maurice. I mean, right now he holds the uh, the ring record for, for the circuit. circuit. Absolutely. Okay. So he's had a ton of success. The man has made a lot of money over his 12-year career. People don't know him like we do. We know he he likes to talk a lot at the tables down here. You know, that's 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 what people from South Florida and anybody who sat at a table with Maurice will tell you. Um, is he capable of doing that? 
I I I think his current success that you know especially over the last two years how many rings he's won how well he's played I'm sure he's got the confidence in himself and that he can do this but you know the skeptics will always say well you know he hasn't quite done it yet on the big stage yeah well 7 million seems uh, like he it just seems that a little, out of it here. seems like a number but you know he might have been saying that just to get people riled up he's been known to do that in the past Dave so yeah, absolutely. you know we we kind of take that with a grain of salt but is he capable of winning that kind of money i believe he is you know his results in my opinion have have proven that he's a hell of a player and and if he gets on the right run you know, maybe not seven million, but you know, he might pick up two or three million out there. He's he's currently doing real well in, in an in event. the marathon. Yeah, the so, twenty the two thousand six hundred twenty dollar buy-in marathon. Uh, he's currently second in chips with nine hundred five thousand. Uh, Yu Li from China is uh, uh, one million eighty thousand. So uh, he's right there. But I looked up the prize money, and first place is only six hundred ninety thousand. So well, he's gotta, get, he's gotta, that'll get him close to ten percent of what yeah, he he's, what he's, he's got to he's got to win ten of those. But to you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, you got to set goals, as we talked with with Dr. Tricia Cardner. And uh, I guess realistic goals would probably be better. So when they asked him if that's realistic, he said. You just got to claim it, and then it happens. <laughs> that was his quote. Uh, Kristen Bicknell is uh, high in the chip counts there, 672,000. Adrian Mateos, who he just mentioned, won the uh, heads up, 633,000. And Faraz Jock at 570. So a nice field here. Both Natasha and Jason Mercier uh, are in this tournament. Uh, Natasha has 227,000. Jason has 190. Uh, Maria Hole at 186 and uh, on down the line. Sam Cohen, uh, 121,000. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that tournament as well. But uh, uh, I don't know. I, I really like Maurice. Uh, he, a lot of people can't stand him. He does get under people's skin at the table. I don't have to play against him, so I, that's yeah. not a problem for me. But he's been nice to me. And uh, even when he didn't want to be interviewed the last time I saw him, he, he did it anyway. So uh, I thank him for that. Yeah, well, listen, uh Confidence definitely is not an issue with with Maurice. And uh, listen, it'd be nice if he picks up a couple of bracelets and uh, starts heading towards that seven million dollar goal. And then, then who's going to stop him then? Yeah, exactly. Who's, who's going to stop that? That you know, that I can't even imagine the things that'll be coming out of Maurice's mouth if he picks <laughs> up a couple of bracelets and starts, you know, inching towards that yeah, seven million. Yeah, right. Be careful what you wish for. Exactly. Uh, I wanted to get to this hand. Uh, Matt Glantz uh, played the other night and uh, get your thoughts on it because it does it does have precedent and uh, I, I won't reveal that until we get into the discussion. But uh, it was late on Thursday night and they're uh, at the end of the day, which I guess. Uh, is kind of fertile ground for having uh, disagreements at the end Oof, of the day. Yeah, at the end of a no long idea. Day. Um, some of the biggest names in poker it was ten thousand dollar dealer's choice, and uh, Sam Twill uh, opened uh, against Glance with a raise of fifty one to fifty one hundred. And what game were they playing? They're, I don't know. Which oh, game. they said dealer's choice, but it didn't yeah, tell you I'm what assuming game. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming it's it was Hold'em. Hold'em, but okay. uh, I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, he opened with a raise of 5,100. Matt glanced three bets in the cutoff to 11,000. So the action returns to Twill, and after a few moments, he had about 54,000 chips. He grabbed them in both hands and moved them toward his previous bet that he'd already made uh, you know, before he got raised. Okay. 
So Glance immediately pushed his chips forward. He had ace-king. Right. And Twill says, I never went all in. And uh, Glance got angry and said, uh, you might win. You might hit your three-outer. Just don't take a shot at me, which meaning an angle shot. Right, exactly, which is what I think he did there. Okay, so the floor was called over to the side. And uh, the rest of the table, including John Monette, said uh, he didn't release the chips, but he did push them forward. There was definitely forward, forward action. Motion. Forward motion, right. Uh, both Tuil and Glance uh, started becoming agitated as they uh, argued. And uh, then they made a ruling. So they brought Jack Effel, or no, I don't know if they brought Jack over or not. That was in the previous one I saw. But uh, under the rules and guidelines, the chips must be released and touch the felt in this situation. And so, consequently, the all-in action would not be binding. Instead, well, uh, he was I, only forced I, to match the I would the have bat. made the opposite uh, would decision. You? And, and as it is in Dania right now, forward motion, you know, a, a lot of these tables have a betting line, you know, the, the racetrack line, right, they call right, it, right. the betting line, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, that makes it very simple. For some reason, now at Dania, about a month ago, they got rid of that. Got rid of the line on the table? Yeah, the line no longer plays, but forward motion does. So based on the way we're doing it over there, and if you did that, for, like the way you explained that to me, again, I, I, I'm like, I'd be lying to you if I told you I know the TDA rules. So if the TDA rules say you must release the chips, but uh, I think it sets a very bad precedent because, you know, you, you – you you got a reaction from your opponent, right. and as soon as he went all in, he knew exactly where he stood with his hand. Right. Well, Glance said uh, to the uh, the floor person, "You're allowing someone to take a shot. There was a clear motion to go all in. You have to rule in the interest of the game and protect the integrity of the game. You cannot Which reward what shot I would, takers." That's exactly what I would have done. So uh, they they did uh, call the three bet uh, uh, and the hand continuing to the flop. Uh, Glance, still upset, said it wasn't fair. Should have been at least uh, forced to min-raise. Right. Uh, he said everyone could do it later on if this is the ruling. And the floor person said you're still in position to you are still in position to protect your hand. So that is the rule apparently. Uh, before I get to the end of the hand, I went back and looked at someone had put up a uh, a YouTube video from uh, a Brandon Cantu hand from 2007. And in this one, Jack Heffel has called to the table. Uh, there was a Russian fellow, I don't remember his name off the hand, but he grabbed a stack of chips and moved it forward, clearly moved it forward, and then brought it back and took about the top third and, and made it as a bet. Didn't they make him leave the whole stack Well, in no, there? they did not. They did uh, not. They came so I in, and uh, I guess this is a World Series of Poker rule. Uh, because there was a couple of players that were very upset, and, and Cantu said, listen, uh, you know, he moved it forward, and it was obvious, and everybody agreed. And he said, the, I remember the floor that. person said, did he let go of the chips? And they said, no. He goes, well, it's not a legal bet until you release the chips, and they're on well, the felt. Well, that answers that question. They made that decision, and that was in the WSOP yes, uh, in, in 2007, in the main, in the main event. event. I, I remember that. And and he was, Brandon was, was steaming. Right was steaming. Well, he's easily upset. You know, yeah, but, but <laughs> rightfully so here. But guess what? They made that decision 10 years ago, and they're consistent with it right now. You know, the funny thing so was... So you can't get upset at the, at the call right now. Glance can't get upset because there's, 
there's actual footage of of them upholding a similar situation. And Cantu actually won that hand, but uh, was still upset about it. And uh, I thought the best line was when he was still kind of venting and steaming about it, standing up and and ranting a little bit. He said, uh, uh, "What did he say exactly?" I'm trying if to I remember, they were close to giving him a penalty. Yeah, yeah, he almost almost did. Uh, I, I I forget the term now, but he said. Uh, 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 the fake push is in now. He goes, yeah, he yeah, goes exactly. wait till I pull that on everybody else that's at the table. That he said, I'll do that, that every time. Exactly. That's what he kept telling the floor person. Yeah. That's what he kept telling the floor person. Oh, the pump fake. The yeah. pump fake is in, he says. So I, re- I remember <laughs> that now. I, I remember watching that, that scenario. But um, you know what? After you have told me this, I mean, like I said, for me, I hate angle shooting. I, you know, as a player and as a manager, I hated it. And, you know... But if if that's their rules, you know, uh, that's, you know, <laughs> as the old joke used to say about getting a speeding ticket, I, I didn't know this, you know, ignorance of the law is, is not an excuse. So ignorance of not knowing the rules here is not an excuse. You, you, you really can't say anything. And guess what? Matt Glantz is probably still pissed off at himself yeah. because he reacted to something that he knows that he should have waited a right, few extra, that's probably a few true. extra seconds. Uh, anyway, the hand, uh, the the flop came out. Queen of of Hearts, uh, ten of clubs, nine of clubs, uh, and uh, Tuil moved all in for his last thirty-eight thousand. Glance called, and Glance had Ace King offsuit, and Tuil had uh, Ace Jack offsuit. Uh, so Glance was out in front. There was a Queen on the turn, and uh, so there was some possible chops. King on the river, and Tuil hits the straight. Straight, yeah. Uh, and uh, gets the double up. Uh, which which must have set Glance off even more. And Tuil said, see, it doesn't matter anyway. And uh, Glance said angrily, uh, it's not about the hand losing, it's about the shot you took. It's about them which allowing it. And I don't care about you, I care about the rules and the integrity of the game. And he said, uh, I don't care about your hand. I want people to be honest. So uh, there was plenty of reaction on Twitter uh, from the negative for a glance of people saying, uh, uh, you know, what a crybaby, uh, you know. He's not It's all about himself, which is uh, is far from the truth as possible. When you think somebody's taking a shot at you, you know, and whether this gentleman knew the rules of the WSOP or not, you know, he got lucky. Well, he didn't get lucky because he would have won the hand anyway. He wound up winning the hand regardless if they had forced him to put it all in there. As it turns out, it got all in there anyway. So, you know, it looks like Glance is just crying about, about the hand and because he lost. But that's not what he's crying about, similar to Brandon. You know, this seems like, hey, you want to protect the integrity of the game, and the last thing you want to to allow or, or to, to appear to allow is people taking angle shots. And to me, that's a clear angle shot, what yeah. he did there. Yeah. Uh, some of the re- reactions, most people were, uh, you know, angry and said that, you know, terrible ruling and this and that. Uh, Cantu even uh, wrote in and, and showed his uh, his video. Um, but uh, the funniest line, I think, was uh, Jason Rivkin, who said, this is absolutely horrifying. Someone considered forbetting Matt Glance with Ace Jack offsuit in a 10K, no less. <laughs> <laughs> so there's any way you can turn these things uh, back around. But uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. I wanted to talk about that. And uh, 
Uh, I think I, I remember watching the video, and Norman Chad was just horrified by the ruling and the Cantu thing that, that he could not believe it. Yeah, I, as, so, as, that's why I remember it because I was upset with the ruling itself. You know, I don't watch it, but for ten years I remember him. And that's like never I said, the way it was in your room, right? A penalty. No, I listen. If, or any if room that you in. If, if it looked like your intentions were to you know to to raise or place a bet out there, and you, you, you entice somebody to act because of your actions, you know, listen, I usually, I usually rule, like, for me, what I like, I love when the betting line became, you know, got on these tables, because it's a clear-cut line drawn in the sand, so to speak, of, hey, you're moving forward, you react, that's your problem. As soon as that, that chips in his hands cross that line, those chips are staying in the pot. Yeah. And... What we used to kind of have to do was how far of a forward motion was considered an action, you know. And now it's up to the dealer, to the supervisor, to the manager. You know, when I got called over, how far did this person come up to there? And and believe it or not, I have ruled that it wasn't a bet because the guy did not move far enough. But I, knowing a lot of my customers being the manager for so many years, I knew who was actually taking a shot and who was more or less, not to say a novice player, but an inexperienced player who wasn't really taking a shot, was just deciding and, and you know, reaction was to move forward a little bit. Well, the whole problem is if you allow that, then you just open up a whole Pandora's box for people to abuse the rule. Yeah, and th- that's why I personally love having the betting line out there because it says, okay, you can play your little games behind this line. As soon as you move, now if you're the opponent and... and and you reacted to that person moving there, and they didn't cross the line. Well, he got the information he wanted out of you. Yeah, absolutely. you know, if, if you looked like you were about to muck, now he's going to continue his motion forward and leave his chips up there. You're looking to call or raise him. He said, "I don't have a good enough hand to do this." So, listen, this is part of poker. People have taken shots, but I understand where Matt Glance is from, uh, coming from, and I wouldn't like that if I was the, uh, on the other side of that of that thing. But I'm sure Matt will tell you, you know, I, I reacted just a, a second or two too soon before he got his chips in there. As as the case is here, it would not have mattered. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, finally, I want to talk about Bernard Lee before we take our last break. Uh, Bernard finishing second, of course, and he had the, uh, as we talked about many times with him on the show, he carries the picture of his children, and he still does, uh, including a grown-up picture now. Uh, <laughs> they're not completely grown-up, but they're in their teens. He and does the Ray Leonard, huh? The Sugar Ray Leonard, remember? When the Olympics with him putting the pictures Exactly, of but he carries the original picture from thir- from uh, 12 years ago in, uh, when Good he finished him. 13th in the uh, main event. Uh, so uh, he has both those pictures. He also has a picture of his uh, two-year-old, a dog. <laughs> And uh, he, so he carries those pictures with him as uh, as a remembrance and a reminder and uh, and basically an encouragement for him to play well and to to realize that what this game is at stake. And he did mention to somebody, uh, you know, how badly he wanted to win. And uh, uh, we know that for sure. But yes. he did talk about, you know, his schedule and that sort of thing. He said, well, I'm 47. I got about 15 years left in me. I feel like I got 30 shots at a bracelet with two do sevens a year. Uh, he goes, I gave up the tag team. I gave up 1500s because those happen every day. So uh, right now I'm focusing on the do seven. So I'm not sure if he'll play again the rest of the uh, event. But, uh, you know, he uh, certainly uh, got very close. He said uh, when it, the table was three-hand, he actually told people, he said, I want to win this so bad. 
and uh, he values the poker community and what a bracelet will mean to him, and uh, hopefully he'll get it someday. Yeah, it's 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 a shame to say you become vindicated, you know, when when you win that that bracelet. But listen, we we hold sports stars to that the ones who have not won championships to it, so. He knows it, you know, but luckily, like he said, he's got a good 15 years, and I'm sure Bernard has a few more than that, but uh, he's such a great, he really is a great player, and, you know, I, if I was, a, you know, if I was and I am a betting man, I would bet that Bernard will have a bracelet. Yeah, I think he will before he well. Before he hangs up his, uh, his cards. So C- certainly not the first time he's been to the final <laughs> table, but uh, such a tough game, uh, do seven low ball. Uh, yeah, but listen, he he loves, take the, a lot of he chances. loves the game. Gotta and, have the cards. And listen, obviously he plays it real well. He had the chip lead, just didn't get the cards. I'll tell you what, I'd like to have had that shot against uh, when you were telling me that the guy stood stood on a jack ten and him having four four to nine, just needing any you know seven cards seven, out of, eight, seven cards out of out of the thirteen. Yeah, so exactly. Anyway, uh, let's take our last break in the show. When we come back, we'll look and see what's currently happening out there, what's still to come. We'll talk about uh, a couple other funny things that I came across. And uh, we'll finish things up on another edition of the show. But uh, this one living up to expectations, I think, the whole tournament. Uh, a lot of big names out there. And when, when has it been a disappointment? Well, true, true. When but, has uh, it been a disappointment? You may go through a few stretches that it's not that exciting, but, you know, from beginning to end, it's, it's, it's great entertainment and great poker. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's take this break on the show. We'll be back with our final segment when we return. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and we hope you'll join us every week throughout the uh, World Series of Poker. And we'll run down a little bit of the TV schedule that's coming out soon as well for the main event. And you're going to catch a lot of that on ESPN and ESPN2. And I hope people pick it up because I think it's a huge investment in the game for people to uh, show it uh, while it's happening. You know, it's uh, very important for the game. Anyway, we'll be back when, when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. 
I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe, and I uh, uh, do want to kind of look at the schedule real quick. A uh, bunch of events going on right now, including uh, the Raz Championship, the $10,000 Raz. Uh, the Horse Championship is coming up uh, this weekend. The Seniors Tournament uh, will be on uh, uh, over the weekend on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, we will uh, follow all these things next week. The Super Seniors is next week, June 18th through the 20th. And uh, it just seems like all these events seem to be more on top of each other than ever before. I think right now there are uh, eight events going on at the same time. Yeah, well... That seems unusual. When you've got, what are we talking about, 45 days? or Actually, to the start of the main event, you're probably looking at about... 40 days, maybe, from when, the, from when they started with uh, the I employees? I think it's uh, something like uh, because it starts 40, on the 49th, 49 days, maybe. But that's all the way through to the end of the uh, main event. Yeah, right. So, you know, to the start of it, you're looking at about 40 days, and, you and know, you're talking... All of June and uh, probably uh, till the 8th of July. So, yeah, I guess uh, you might be right about You've got to get so many events in there, and some of them, obviously, that go days and days before you get to a final... That you've got a schedule like this, I'm telling you, it's just it, it really is impressive to me how they how they're able to maintain this with as little problems and hiccups as as they've yeah, had. Yeah, it's a monstrous undertaking. Uh, the Raz tournament drew 97 this year, ten thousand dollar Raz. Okay. So I guess that's about normal. Uh, there's 26 players left. Uh, Eric Seidel just got knocked out. Uh, the leader is James Obst. And Anthony Zeno is currently in third place. Nick Schulman, uh, who's doing a lot of commentary on Poker Poker Go, is fifth. Brandon Shaq Harris is fourth. So uh, that event is moving along. Looking at some of the other uh, uh, tournaments, the marathon, uh, as we mentioned, uh, the one where uh, Maurice Hawkins challenging for that one. Uh, we're keeping an eye on that. Uh, 145 players remaining there. Maurice has 920,000. A uh, little bit behind, uh, about uh, 130,000 behind Yu Lee, the leader. Uh, again, 140, now 144 players remaining. And uh, Adrian Mateos up near the top of the chick stacks. Uh, Dietrich Fast, Maria Ho, Jason and Natasha Mercier uh, down toward the bottom. 176 for Jason. He's passed Natasha, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if they are competitive at all or have a last longer bet uh, with each other, but uh, uh, anything could happen. Uh, also, uh, we'll take a look at uh, some of the upcoming uh, uh, situation in the Millionaire Maker, uh, which we're keeping an eye on. They're down to seven players in that one. and uh, So two have been eliminated. Yeah, two players out. Uh, 
The leader is Pablo Martz. Still, he had 19 million before. Now he's up to 22 million. So he has a huge chip lead. Mark McDonald still second with 10 million plus, and Alexander Farahi at 7.3 million. But uh, two players eliminated from that one. And uh, that's a nice chip stack. Yeah, you're, you're more than two to one against against the the guy in second place. Seems like you'd be able to muscle the uh, rest of the table. Well, y- yeah, you do start using your stack as a weapon, but but if, but if someone stands up to you, you still got to win the hand because if not, then they they start chipping away at you. Yes, exactly. Uh, one of the things I did want to talk about was uh, um, people talking about the millionaire maker field and and how all these players. Or, or, or even the Colossus at 565, and how many shots people take at it. So, uh, is it a, is it a soft tournament? I guess there's a lot of players that come there that doesn't that don't play all that much. Kind of a okay. Well, kind of wondering if if you would consider that a how, soft tournament. How many people were in the Millionaire Maker? Seven. Uh, Millionaire Maker seven thousand seven hundred. Uh, the Colossus was eighteen thousand. Okay, so look how large those fields are. And no matter how many bad players. Soft, I don't know, you know, maybe you got a lot more inexperience percentage-wise in both of those tournaments than you normally would, but you've got to traverse through so many poker players and so many different scenarios and in the that I can't say it's soft. It's just, hey, you know, the, it, it might be more of, you know, usually, usually in poker I would say it's closer. I always tell people that to me it's usually about 85% skill, 15% luck. I think the luck factor in this in the, in those tournaments with those fields and so many amateur players, so to speak, uh, the luck factor has to be a little bit higher instead of lower because you know right. when, you're, when you're saying the soft field, you're figuring the top pros have such a huge advantage well, the top pros that they're going to take the luck out of the, the luck factor is going to go down. In my opinion, it's going to go up. Well, you, if you can enter up to four times in the Millionaire Maker. Uh, and these people are taking advantage of that. That doesn't make it a very soft field because you got top players getting so many chances. That exactly. makes it a very tough. Field. I I believe it makes it a very tough field. Just in the, the the sheer numbers of it makes it a tough field because people again may not play, may not know that 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 they're so far behind that they're drawing to a one or two outer. And yeah, it's nice when you catch that, but sooner or later somebody's going to catch that thing on you and. Uh, Again, it, to me, it's just uh, I can't say how how a field that large, and you have to work so hard to get through that that it's soft. But well, Randy Ohel, who is originally from South Florida, but now lives out in Vegas, uh, he said, in five hands at my milli table, there have been two called all ins, one involving nine five offsuit, the other ten five offsuit. That's so what I'm I talking s- about. So you see that kind of play. I I, I definitely feel like. Uh, Maybe it is. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is uh, because of an article that you brought in that I wanted to talk about real quickly, and that's the difference between online and live play. Uh, Todd Arnold wrote it a few years ago, and uh, you marked a a few things to look at for me. And I I think the most interesting thing is... um, you know the difference in uh, the really the quality of play because you're going to find and remember this article was written ten years ago. Yeah, exactly. This article That's was really written ten years ago. That's why I found it so fascinating. Going back through some of the old card players and uh, it, it, it to me it was amazing how you know he started to say that the play online is a lot harder 
but I enjoyed his reasons for it. Yeah, yeah. one of the things he said was, uh, and this is uh, from a different area, obviously now, but but back then he said the, that the the online player's ability to play multiple tables at the same time keeps them more patient. They don't have, but if you have waited in line to get a spot at a table. Uh, you know, maybe an hour or so before you finally get there. Now you've lost all your patience. You've lost your patience. And remember, that starts at home where you have to get right. dressed, get ready, drive to wherever your casino is, wherever your local poker room is, no matter how long, it, whether it's a 10-minute ride or an hour ride. Yeah, you you want to get into the action. And online allows you to have a lot more action, especially since the, even if you don't multi-table, the game goes by a lot quicker. So you're seeing a lot more hands per hour than you would in a, in a live in a live game. He said, "Yeah, he said you're looking to play hands when you go out live." He said, Fold, "Sitting there and folding is not much fun." Uh, he said, "Online fundamental play uh, teaches you to abuse the limpers and attack weakness, but online now, uh, at least at that point, they didn't have a lot of uh, that type of play. The people played a lot better." Um, he said in a cash game, someone might raise to $50, he'll get five callers. Which is very true. I've seen that. You know, my, my, I remember when my brother was playing a whole bunch at that time and playing very good. He goes, you know, sometimes you've got pocket aces, pocket kings. There's no reason if someone's raised already to you and you know there's three callers, there's no reason to re-raise because you're going to get everybody to call you unless you want to go all in and try to isolate somebody and you're trying to get value out of your hand. So he goes, I used to have to just smooth call with aces and kings and hope I flop something because, and you know, and I hadn't read this article obviously years ago. He's telling me because, you know, you've, you've seen things. Uh, he had a neighbor who hadn't played a hand in four orbits, gets raised right before him, and he goes all in after him. He goes, what do you think this guy had? And, you know, everyone I've ever asked this question to always goes, well, if this guy hasn't played a, a hand for four orbits and he got raised into He's got to have pocket aces, which is exactly what he had. There was five, I'm sorry, six calls. Seven people saw the hand. Wow. Okay? And obviously, seven-handed with aces, uh, (laughs) you are not going to win very often, and that was the case, you know. So when that occurs, what's the sense of taking a raise and isolating yourself with somebody when people aren't smart enough to get out of their own way? Right. He says, talks about how people are much more loose with their money. In the, in the live game, he said he believes it's an ego thing and you need to take advantage of it. Uh, he said the online tournaments, two and a half to three and a half times the big blind is, is a plenty large enough bet to get the information and reactions you need. He said, but in a live game, you're liable to see people go five, six X. Exactly, because you're, you, know, <laughs> you don't want somebody just limping in. And, and I'll tell you what, I don't know how it is throughout the whole country, but here in South Florida... You also have that, uh, as they say, for for those of you, know, the machismo thing down here right. of, you know, uh, you know the, the, the they want to play like that, and they're like, they're oh, you're trying to scare me with money. Money doesn't scare me. You know, they're, they're not playing their cards. They're playing their stacks. And he says, he talks about uh, when you're playing online, uh, you know, no one can see your reaction, so you feel a lot more comfortable. But in a live game, uh, when the reactions are there, uh, you know, it causes uh, players to uh, not get the full value from their hands because they're over betting. Yeah, yeah, they, they don't want to look like the fool, you know, that didn't bet enough for their hand when somebody catches them with a bad one. Uh, I just thought this gentleman, you know, uh, made some great points between the differences between online and live play. Here, here's the last point. He says, uh, uh, he said, 
you need to be aware of the chip counts of your opponents. He said it's so easy online yes. when it's listed right there by the player's name and you see all this. When it's live, it takes a lot more work. Uh, you know, you can't always tell exactly what they have. You can get a general idea and uh, you look around and you need to keep track of that, but that's work. It is work, but, but you can train yourself to do that. You know, I listen, I, just because of being in the business, I can look at someone's stack and probably come within, you know, I believe he says if you can come within about, what is it, 5 or 10%? Right, about 10%. 10%, you know, you're, you're going to be accurate, which is good, you know, because that way you know what, what kind of stack size you're up against and how much you can win from, from a smooth call or, you know, if you can stack this guy for a lot of money. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it, it was one of the great things when I started playing a lot online, Dave, since I love to play a lot of tournaments, was going to the to the main thing and seeing who the chip leaders were and what what count what chip counts the chip leaders had so you know where you are you know in relations to where they are to get into the money to move forward you know and how to make your how to make your plays depending on where it is that's great information that you don't always have in, in live games. He says you need to check the the hand stacks because it it you can use that information to narrow down uh players hand ranges and their strengths. Uh but in closing out, he says, uh, you need to pay attention to your loose and egotistical opponents. So a certain attitude is something that you pick up. You watch their betting and find the fear, fear betters. Uh, he said, always be aware, of, be aware of the chip counts. Use them to make smart decisions and help you read hand strengths. And uh, he said, not, not to say that aren't, there aren't good players in the live games, because obviously there are. But he said they are easy to spot, and you need to you need to capitalize on that. Yeah, and that's changed a little bit since he wrote this article ten years ago. You know, there's there's a lot more good players out there, also a lot more aggressive players out there now. Right. So, yeah, that's there's no question that uh, ten years the game has changed completely. <laughs> yes. It really has. And, you know. and while some there's but a lot of the things that he said there still still are very, very, very true. That's why I, I highlighted some of those. I, I found it so interesting going back, reading through this, this old card player from 10 years ago. But it does open the fact to you that you go out to the World Series of Poker, you're, you're playing players maybe that are not used to playing live, and you could take advantage of that as well. Yeah, well, listen, you know, top, top poker players have always been able to, first with, you know, getting tells on people depending on how their their facial reaction was their their body language you know there's a lot of different ways people have gotten smart to that they've you know they they've shored up a lot of those tells now that that used to be very easy so you know i think what what he's saying there is just pay attention you'll be able to get some information sooner or later from these players yeah absolutely uh, let's just close out by uh, taking a quick look at the TV schedule coming up for the main event. It's still a ways off. Obviously, uh, we're looking at July 8th to start the tournament, but uh, ESPN2 and ESPN are going to carry a lot of those early days. Uh, day 1A and 1B are both four hours of coverage on the 8th and 9th of July. Uh, between now and then, if you want some live coverage, you catch some of the uh, final tables and some of that sort of thing, you need to get that Poker Go app, which is yeah, uh, yeah. outstanding. I really enjoy it for 10 bucks a month. Uh, you know, I guess you could even cancel it uh, in July after July when you don't need it as much anymore. But they're going to have some great stuff throughout the end of the year. And there's a tremendous amount of uh, taped and uh, TV show type information, old TV broadcasts, uh, documentaries, a great Matt Berkey uh documentary that's on there right now and there's some great stuff so i i highly anyway, while i don't work for them 
I, I like what they're doing, and I think that we need mm-hmm. to support that kind of thing if we want to see it continue. Yep. Well, that, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Let's see if we can get some, some drum up some business for them. We'll see if the World Series can get the card problem straightened out. Uh, we'll look for any other kind of rulings that uh, might be interesting for people. Uh, and we'll see if uh, uh, some of our top players that have not scored yet, Jason and some of those, can come through in the next yeah. week or two with some uh, good oh, performance. He would have definitely been on my fantasy team once again. <laughs> By the so. way, just closing, uh, uh, you wonder about the sponsorships in poker. And, you know, we've seen a lot of the players lose their sponsorships over the years. Uh, poker stars just, guess who they just signed to a sponsorship deal? Who? Usain Bolt. Really? I mean, obviously planning for a future in what he's going to do. You can't run the 100 in the uh, Olympics forever. Uh, he's lasted longer than most. And uh, I'm not sure how much poker he plays, but uh, it's just kind of a thought that uh, there's a little different, bit different direction in sponsorship money uh, headed out now. That They're trying to target the, uh, the average fan and not just the, uh, the, mm-hmm. the long-term player. Yeah, well, listen, that, that, I, I hope it works out for both of them. Uh, so we'll see what he has to say. Uh, you know, obviously Kevin Hart uh, is uh, been signed uh, for some promo- a promotional deal, and he wants to make poker fun again, is what he calls it, and uh, certainly seeing some changes in the game. But uh, yeah. I think it's a step in the right direction. Yep. Okay, that's going to do it for the show. We appreciate you being with us tonight. Uh, we'll be looking at all these things over the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll have some fun each week, and we'll see what we can line up guest-wise for you as well on the program. Poker Action Line comes to you every week, and uh, pick it up on Hold'em Radio Network or on SoundCloud at the best places to find it, uh, iTunes or our website at PokerActionLine.com. And we hope you'll be with us again next week on another edition of the program. Gio, thanks for everything, and uh, Joe, thank you as well. And we'll catch you guys next week. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.